Okay. Um, yeah, I'm sure there is some great stories. Um, I'm, you know, might have Nate share some. But I just, why don't you come up here? Um, I just want to introduce, I don't know if you guys had a chance to meet Nate. This is Nate. Um, and he probably has um, a lot to add, that, add to this because he actually put a lot of it together. Um, and I want to let you guys ask questions um, if you want. So go ahead. All right. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I should probably give you a, a, a better. Um, he's probably the smartest person I know. Um, yeah, he doesn't. He, he won't say that. Um, but he actually studied um, science in college, biology, um, chemistry. He all this stuff. Like he really studied it a lot. Not only because Fort Lewis, it's it's not. It's like the furthest thing from a Christian college. So not only would he have to learn what he was learning in his classes, but then he would have to go, um, for, you know, to Josh McDowell's and everything else and say, okay, now what's true um, apart from what they've said? So he's really done a lot of studying on um, this matter. Okay. Sweet. So, you are. Laura is definitely amazing. Oh, yeah, she's awesome. And her husband is one of my best friends on the planet, too. I love you. I wish he was here. He's upstairs. With Asher. All this work. Uh, yeah, so what kind of questions do you guys have? Anything coming to mind? On all this stuff. Okay, right back here. I've heard a lot of things about like, mistranslations, like yeah. from, I mean, like the original text to the, to like what we have now. That's, yeah, that's a good question. That's the, the first one that you'll hear. If you're ever talking about this, that's pretty much usually the first one that gets thrown out. <laughs> what about all the translations? And it's a really easy one to answer, thankfully. Uh, there are a lot of translations, and a lot of them are totally wrong, right? And, but we know that because the original Greek is solid. There aren't variations in that. Uh, the original Hebrew and the original Greek are solid. Did you, did you talk a little bit about textual criticism? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you look at, I didn't know because I was outside for a minute. If you look at uh, just textual criticism, I have some of the numbers written down here, just so I don't misquote them any. You have them down there, I promise. Oh. Okay, here's just a quick comparison. You can read a lot more about this if you look at A Ready Defense by Josh McDowell, or some of those books have a lot of really good information in them. But the New Testament has uh, 24,000 early copies of not the entire thing, but of various manuscripts that, that make up the New Testament, and some complete copies too. Uh, that all date to within the first 300 years after it was written. So you don't have this, this, a lot of times people say, you know, like the Gospels written thousands of years or hundreds of years after Jesus lived. That's not true. We have, hundred, we have thousands of copies from the first 300 years after it was written. We also have quotations from churches, from like church leaders and pastors. You know, just like when, when you hear uh, Brian Lurick's talk this morning, he quotes a lot of scripture, right? Uh, well, they did the same thing back then, right? And so they, we have a lot of their writings that had a lot of scripture in them. Uh, you could actually rewrite most of the entire New Testament just from their quotations. And a lot of those quotations actually predate a lot of copies of the New Testament that we have. So it goes back even earlier. And then you can you can uh, you go into I mean we have a few minutes, don't we? Okay. You can you can uh, think of it like this: the Book of Acts was written by Luke. And it was written before AD 62 to AD 70. And AD 62 was uh, Peter, or Paul was executed, and in 64, the other one. So Peter and Paul were executed in AD 62 and AD 64. They're the two most prominent figures in the book of Acts, and it doesn't mention either of their executions. So 
we can conclude, yeah, if the book is just about these two guys and it doesn't even talk about them dying, it was written before they died. But also, the whole book is mainly focused in Jerusalem, at least half of it's focused around Jerusalem, and that's where the early church is developing. And, and the destruction of Jerusalem happened in AD 70. And that's also not mentioned in Acts. So we know Acts was written before AD 62, 64, AD 70, that time frame. Acts was written after Luke. Luke wrote Acts, he also wrote Luke. And if you look at the beginning of Acts, he, he's writing it to a guy named Theophilus. And he says, oh, Theophilus, I wrote to you this account. I already wrote to you an account of this man Jesus and everything that he did. Here's another account of, of, the, you know, of, the, of the church that's growing out of that. So his other account was the book of Luke. If you go to the beginning of Luke, he, he addresses it to the same guy, to Theophilus. So we know that the Gospel of Luke predates the, or the, the book of Acts, right? So it's you know in the 50s range or something like that. And then Luke, right there at the beginning, he says he's writing this to Theophilus, who's a Greek, right? And he says others have already documented all this stuff. So he's talking about some of the other Gospels, like Matthew and Mark in particular, which were probably written in between the 30s and 50s. So within 20 years of Jesus' life, which, by there's nobody on the planet that would say that myth can, can come in during that time. Does that make sense? So not only do we know that they are written very early, close to the time of Christ's life on earth, and within the lifetimes of people that live with Christ, so we know that, you know, you couldn't be saying falsehoods, <laughs> you know, like if they were saying, Jesus performed all these miracles. Well, all the people that lived with him were still alive. They'd say, no, he didn't perform all those miracles. We, we didn't see anything. But we know that's not true. So coupled with that, the fact that there are a huge volume of works, 24,000, the nearest copy is Homer's Iliad, which has uh, only 643 copies, the earliest being 500 years after it was written. And that's the next textually accurate ancient manuscript. So the New Testament, even by secular standards, is the most textually accurate manuscript from ancient times in existence. Uh, the same thing kind of holds for the Old Testament. The Old Testament, you know, back in 1948, they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. You guys heard about those? And what it was, was it was a you know, com complete copy of many of the books of the Old Testament. And they predated our oldest copies of the Old Testament by a thousand years. So the oldest copies we had of the Old Testament came a thousand years before that, right? Or a thousand years after that. So all the critics said, we're going we're gonna to find out that these Dead Sea Scrolls are very different from what all you Christians have in your Bible. And after researching it, they're, it's 98 or 99 plus percent uh, identical. And that little variation of one and a half or so percent, it's just in things like pronunciation and spelling that had changed over time, but nothing with content. Like in the Old English, color was spelled C-O-L-O-U-R, now it's C-O-L-O-R. It was the same thing, you know, they had a thousand year difference, so some spellings were different, some, you know, some punctuation was different, but the content was identical to what it had always been. And so we know that, that the ancient manuscripts that all of our translations are based on, they're solid, you know. Uh, I have a Greek in a linear Bible that I look at a lot of times when, when there's confusion about something. It's solid, it does not change. The Greek is the Greek and that's that. There are no different translations. So a lot of the English or whatever other translations can really get off track from that Greek. But see, we have the standard. You can always go right back and look. Is that really what it says? I'll just throw out one example. Um, the Jehovah's Witnesses have changed over 300 verses in the Bible. And so that's an example of a translation that's gotten way off track, right? Uh, they have the New Kingdom translation of the Bible, and it's just very wrong. And one example of John 1.1, it says, In the beginning 
the Word was with God. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? And it's talking specifically about Jesus. It references that later, being the Word and being God. They know that, and they don't believe Jesus is God, so they put in there one word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. They added this word a in to, to kind of give the, the idea that he wasn't God Almighty. He was just kind of like an inferior form of God. But see, we can go right back to the Greek, and look, what does the Greek really say? The Greek there doesn't even say it in that way. It doesn't say, and the Word was God. It says, and God was the Word. Like, there's no possibility that the word A could ever even come in. And it's even more authoritative in the Greek. Jesus is God. Like, that's what it's saying, full flesh. So, yeah, this argument always comes up that the Bible has been translated. Who knows what it originally said? We go right back to the original Greek or Hebrew. There's no question about that. And, and we can see exactly what it is, um, what was said. Does that kind of answer it? Okay. Any other questions? <laughs> uh, I was wondering uh, about the Gnostic Gospels. I know they weren't included in our Bible in another reason, and I was wondering if you knew what that was. Ah, uh, there are a few different reasons. But yeah, a lot of them, they were, the earliest Gnostic Gospels are two to three hundred years after Christ. So they're not written nearly as early as the rest of the Gospels. And so, I always, I always share this example about the Gnostic Gospels. If, uh, if, I were to write in a, a history of the life of George Washington right now. I, you know, I live in 2007, and I write this event. He lived in the 1700s, so it's about two to three hundred years later, right? Three hundred years later, maybe 250 or something like that. Uh, so I write this account of the life of George Washington, and then somebody says to you, "Hey, you're going to do a study on on George Washington for for class. You're going to get a grade on it. Who would you rather use as a source, Nate Hurst?" that lived 250 years after him, or, you know, the people that wrote about him while he was still alive, that lived with him daily. And obviously you're going to pick the, the people that wrote about him when he was actually there. And that's kind of what happened with with, uh, with the Gospels versus the Gnostic Gospels. The Gospels were written by people that saw Jesus. They were written within the lifetimes of people that saw Jesus. They were confirmed by things outside of Scripture. There are a lot of different historians that existed time of Jesus that referred to a lot of different components of the Gospels uh, that affirm that they are accurate, right? Archaeology also confirms it. Uh, I know that you were talking about a little bit of it, a little bit of it, but the census at the time of Christ's birth, uh, they found archaeological evidence for that and things like that. So there are a lot of reasons to accept the original Gospels and not these ones that came two to three hundred years later. Another reason, too, is they were getting really, really, really sketchy by then. Right? Like the Gospel of Thomas, I believe it is, <coughs> marrying a bunch of the women. And this is funny because uh, Dan, Dan Brown, I think he's the guy who did the Vinci Code. He, he did, I think he said that he, 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 you know, tried to push the Nazi Gospels because they were empowering for women or something like that. I think I heard him saying that that was one of his motives. But in the Gospel of Thomas, which is what his movie is all about pretty much, or a big part of it, uh, Mary and, and several women come to Jesus and say, what must we do to be saved? And Jesus says, you must leave, become men, come back to me as men, and then you can be saved. Right? So, so if, if you're comparing that to the original Gospels, which one is accurate, right? It, it's hands down, you know, you know, there's nothing foolish like that in the original Gospels. It's all real, it's all solid. You can read them, and it's, you know, it's nothing foolish. But you get to these Gnostic Gospels, they're written hundreds of years later, you know, they have very sketchy things that everybody would admit, yeah, women don't have to become men before they can be saved, you know? So there was a lot of evidence for rejecting those. And at the, at the uh, 
Synod at Hippo, a lot of people bring that up, or the Council of Nicaea, both those dealt with different issues. But the Synod at Hippo, at Hippo was uh, talking about which Gospels are we going to include and which books of the Bible are we going to keep. And they didn't just arbitrarily say, we want this one and that one because it fits with our doctrine, and we don't want these other ones. But, but they actually thought through what is generally accepted as God's word, what is not accepted as God word, God's word. And things that they left out, like the Gnostic Gospels, they had, it had been concluded all through the first 300 years of Christianity that those beliefs were not relevant, you know? Even Paul talks about the Gnostic uh, theology that was springing up in um, Galatians 1. He says, even if an angel of light would come and preach to you a gospel, other than that which you've already received, let him be eternally accursed. So he was already, a lot of those philosophies were starting to develop even earlier than they're actually put down. And, and Paul addressed it right from the back. He said, this is not true, this is not accurate. You know, you saw Jesus, don't believe something different. What else did you hear? Oh, actually, that was uh, where I picked it up in the Vinci Code. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's just a little bit about him. And, and it's, I don't know how damn it is. That. You know what I mean? The church tried to cover up the Dead Sea Scrolls because it messed with what they had from the Old Testament. And I already knew the first one I read with the Dead Sea Scrolls or what we used to affirm. Yeah, isn't that crazy? There's a lot of stuff too in the Da Vinci Code. It is fiction. I, they, they talk about the Council of Nicaea in the Da Vinci Code, I believe, in the movie. I haven't watched it, but I heard a quote where they say, and how does it go? They're talking about the divinity of Christ. And it says, they affirm the divinity of Christ, but it was a narrow margin of victory. Okay. There, isn't that right? Have you guys seen the video? Okay, I think there are something like 400 people voting on that. Two people voted that Jesus wasn't divine, right? So 398 out of 400 or so said that he was divine. It's not a close margin at all, you know what I mean? Uh, so there was a lot of uh, artistic liberty taken with that book and film and all that. Well, we probably have time for a couple more. Wait, wait. I think you were, were you doing it? Did you have your hand up earlier? Yeah. Okay, I want to get you and then you. <laughs> I remember seeing your hand. Let's ask this guy and then we'll ask you. Okay. Okay. Um, someone asked me once, um, if we're all um, the offspring of Adam and Eve, how come everybody doesn't have a birth of us? Oh. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, this is kind of really a peculiar topic, but uh, the idea is is now if you produce offspring with a close relative, right, you have a lot of different genetic variations or recessive alleles that can cause diseases like sickle cell anemia, for example. Uh, and if you have a recessive allele, it's very likely one of your relatives will have a recessive allele. And if you marry that relative and have kids with that relative, two recessive alleles means that person gets the, the characteristics, so they'll have, say, sickle cell anemia. In the past, though, and this is, this is really interesting, from a creationist perspective, and Tyler and I and a few of you guys were talking about this yesterday, uh, about creation and evolution and all that, and from a creationist perspective, and I think, and I think it's logical, too, People had a lot fewer defects back then, right? There was a lot less time for mutations to screw people up and all this sort of stuff like that. It's scientifically valid, and it fits with creation that God created a very high-quality individual, and since then it's eroded a lot. Does that make sense? Yeah. So at that time, there were a lot fewer different genetic issues like that, that that would have been a problem. And in fact, if you had positive traits, and this is the same way now, 
this is weird. But producing offspring with a relative could produce a very highly, um, I don't know, intellectual or very, very strong individual just as, as easily as a weak one, right? Because you can have recessive alleles for positive traits also. And so it's not that it's always negative now, but back then it actually would have probably strengthened the species, right? Because there were recessive positive alleles that would have been in higher frequency than they're now. Does that make sense? That's a little... So, it's weird though. <laughs> <laughs> um, my question's on uh, the Gospel of John, um, where uh, a lot of scholars, like, I know that the big discrepancy between the title is written between uh, like 90 AD to like, up to like 220 AD. What? Not, okay, go on. Really? Not, not, okay. Well, that's what I heard. And what I'm wondering is, even at 90 AD, it seems like a lot longer period of time. And I'm wondering, like, you know, why, why did it take 60 years for that to be written? And, and could John even still be alive in, in 90 AD to, to write that and that all down and everything? Yeah. I think it was written in 90 AD. Or that's like kind of later date. Not later than that. They have a copy of the Gospel of John from AD 125. It was found in Egypt. So. So, I, so definitely the 220 number is way, way off because by 125 there is already a copy of the Gospel of John that had made its way all the way to Egypt, which is pretty significant. So imagine how long it would have taken to, you know, migrate all the way down to Egypt and then to find a preserved copy there. There are probably a lot more copies that we never found, right? So 80, 90 is probably a closer date to it. And we know that John lived a lot longer than the rest of the disciples. He was on the island of Patmos, which always... I've been in the Pideos port in Athens three times now. And we always go to these little islands, but we've never gone to Patmos. But it's always right on the board. Like, let's go to Patmos this afternoon. But it's nine hours. <laughs> it's a long trip. So we never, we've never done it. I always want to do it because that's where John spent the rest of his life. You know, he was uh, exiled to the island of Patmos. And so he was there very late in life. He lived a lot longer. And Jesus <coughs> predicted that at the end of John. He, he talks about how, you know, John wouldn't be executed like the other disciples. And so, we you know he lived longer. 80, 90 is a plenty good day. And honestly, I think uh, even with the Gospels written 20 years or even, you know, 60 years after Christ or whatever, see, God, and we have evidence all through the Scripture, and, and I mean, we couldn't even hit it all in, like, a week. We had a whole week, you know? Like, this talk, we were just hitting little points. But the whole Bible is God-breathed, the Bible tells us. God has divinely inspired every word. And so for me, it's, it's not a far stretch. If I believe that God inspired Genesis, it's very easy for me to believe that John, 60 years after Jesus died, the Holy Spirit could have inspired him as he wrote. And it says that the Holy Spirit will remind us of all things, right? So I think it's, it's very, you know, if you, if you believe in God, it's very easy to say, yeah, I believe that the Holy Spirit was reminding John as he was writing and giving him the exact words to write, you know, and, and a lot of stuff like that. But yeah, 220 is not a good 125, they already have the copy down in Egypt, so. Well, that, okay, I think that's the last question. Yes, if, if you have other questions, feel free to come we'll up and ask. Around afterwards. Um, all right, see you guys.